Hi, and welcome to this episode of Health is Your Wealth, a Walton County conversation. My name is Dee Dee Harris. I'm your host for Health is Your Wealth. I'm the executive director of Walton Wellness, Inc., a nonprofit here in Walton County. I'm here with my co-host, Bruce Young. Hey, Dee Dee. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. And today we're going to be continuing our opioid epidemic series, and this is episode two with Sergeant Corey Ward of the Walton County Sheriff's Office. What uh, what did you talk to him about? So, you know, trying to decide um, the opioid uh, crisis is huge. So, you know, there's all kinds of people we could talk to. So we kind of whittled it down to these four episodes. And we felt like law enforcement, of course, is a huge part of, unfortunately, the opioid. Yeah, it um, is, epidemic. isn't it? Did yes. You, did you find out anything really uh, surprising or or? Exciting. Yeah, I um well first of all I think Sergeant Ward was um very much more understanding and compassionate towards um addicts than someone might think oh, a wow. police officer would be. I I was very pleasantly surprised and it just made me feel good to think, you know, he's representing our sheriff's office out there in Walton County and and as you'll hear towards the end of the interview, he he definitely feels empathy and compassion for the people he's he's not just out there hey I'm the police and I'm here to arrest you and I don't care you know what's going on in your life so I think that was that was really a nice surprise to hear no that that is a nice surprise and uh yeah well let's get into it and here's episode two Corey Ward thanks all right Corey thanks for coming today and talking to me um about the opioid epidemic in Walton County if you would, just tell us who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Um, thank you uh, for having me here. My name is Corey Ward. Um, I work for the Walton County Sheriff's Office. Uh, actually, next month will be my nine years uh, that I've been here. Wow, you lasted that long, huh? <laughs> yes. Um, it was funny. I was telling my wife the other day, I said it's nine years, but it felt like 25. So, um, I can sympathize. You age quickly in this profession. So, um, yeah, I've been here nine years. Uh, I've done uh, several different things here at the sheriff's office. Uh, currently, I am uh, in charge of our uh, narcotics unit here for the, the county. So what is a, exactly does that mean, narcotics unit? Um, you know, we, it is a, uh, um, uh, a broad uh, job description um, as far as the narcotics unit goes. Um, we handle everything, um, uh, from citizens complaints about, uh, people in the community, uh, using or selling narcotics. Um, we'll, uh, investigate those, um, see what we can do, uh, to combat those, uh, complaints. Um, we have, uh, our canine dogs work in our unit too. So we have, uh, uh, kind of what we call the interdiction aspect of the narcotics unit. Those are our uniform guys that are out there. Uh, making traffic stops and trying to be proactive in, um, um, you know, the criminal aspect of, uh, of the county. Now, when you say narcotics, I think a lot of times people are kind of confused about is narcotics pot, any kind of drug, or is narcotics a certain type of drug? Um, yes, that, that can get con confusing because in the, uh, the uh, I guess you could say the medical and pharmaceutical world, uh, they refer to their narcotics as their um, as a, a type of pill. Right. Uh, but generally, we consider our narcotics, yes, any kind of illicit, illegal drug, anything like you said, from weed, marijuana to um, uh, 
you know, the prescription pills and a lot of the other synthetic uh, drugs that we're seeing out there. So um, I asked you to come in and talk to us today because obviously we're doing a series on the opioid epidemic in Walton County. And so I wanted to ask you some questions about what does that look like here in Walton County from your perspective? And part of our series, we are interviewing several different aspects. So I'm interviewing a medical doctor. I'm interviewing an addiction counselor um, and hoping to have a personal story as well. So but law enforcement, of course, is a huge um, piece of this puzzle. So can you tell us what... Um, I guess the overall drug scene, not necessarily right now specifically talking about opioids, but what's the overall drug scene in Walton County look like? And I don't know if, if you need me to be more specific about that. No, um, you know, it's, like I said, I've done the narcotics aspect uh, for the majority of my nine years here um, early on and then currently now. So um, with that, um, I have seen a change and trends of, of the different narcotics that are being used out there. But um, just like most communities, um, you know, and being that we are, um, I guess some people can consider us Metro Atlanta. I know a lot of us don't like to consider ourselves that, but um, it is moving that way as far as crime and, and, and the uh, drugs go. But, you know, we still see everything, um, you know, like you said, from marijuana, um, our probably most popular uh, drug of choice that we're seeing out there among these users and dealers is the methamphetamine. Um, that has always been a, um, a common one around here. And there are many different reasons for that. Uh, just like in, uh, I guess you could say the stock market, the price and demand um, determine the type of drugs that are out there. And so methamphetamine is very popular. Is that I, because it's cheap? Uh, yes. Um, Basically, what it comes down to, the price of it, um, when I first started, I guess you could say, has um, dropped by 75%. The price? The price. Wow. Um, that these guys are buying it out there. Is um, there a reason for that? Yes, it, there is. Um, the, the, the Cliff Notes version of that is um, the drug trafficking organizations, which are um, controlled by uh, the Mexican cartels, um, they are um, basically what they're doing is they're pumping so much of it. So much of it's coming across the border. Mm -hmm. It is um, there's just so much out there that has dropped the price um, dramatically. So it's basic supply and demand. It, it, that's exactly basic what it was. Economics. <laughs> and um, I tell you, um, talking to a lot of uh, through training and networking with some guys that work at the uh, higher federal level, um, they will tell you a reason for that is the legalization of marijuana that's coming in, in the United States. And um, what that means is when California and Colorado started legalizing marijuana, um, the marijuana that they can produce is so potent and so much better than the marijuana that the, these uh, drug trafficking organizations in Mexico were producing that um, nobody wanted their weed anymore. So uh -huh. they have essentially cut down all their marijuana fields in Mexico and um, have transitioned back to the synthetic drugs like opium and marijuana. And uh, that's a big reason Are why you mean methamphetamine? Seeing, I mean meth? Methamphetamine. Okay. And, uh, and um, 
the opium that they're just they they've moved away from the production of marijuana in Mexico that oh. they have uh, gone back to the synthetic drugs where the money's at and it's just it's just um, flooded America. So it sounds like we could probably do a whole other series maybe about um, legalizing marijuana mm-hmm. and just the effect because probably the average person thinking about legalizing marijuana doesn't think about it in these overall terms. That, that I mean, I think correct. this is new to me. I wouldn't have thought about the fact that it's really affecting the drug trade, mm-hmm. the illegal drug trade as well. Um, I don't know that that's good or bad or Yeah, there's a whole different. other aspect um, <laughs> to the legalization of marijuana that, that the common citizen doesn't understand. They, you know, the propaganda being pushed by these um, advocacy groups that are uh, pushing for this legalized marijuana. You know, all you hear about is the, the taxation, the money that comes in, and the and the uh, regulation of it, how much better it is. But there is another aspect to that that um, um, has a negative effect. Here. Yeah. So it sounds like that might be a <clears throat> another podcast. It is. It is <clears throat> for another day. <laughs> so um, just before we leave that, I don't want to get too far away from opioids, mm-hmm. but when you're talking about meth, so the meth that you're seeing on our streets in mm-hmm. Walton County you're not seeing so much of the people cooking the meth here in Walton. You're seeing more of like Mexican meth or something being, um, that come in versus people that are actually cooking meth here. Correct. We have, um, and I wasn't, um, around when it was popular, but back in the nineties and early two thousands, yes, that, that was, um, a, uh, common theme around here and everywhere is, uh, what they call the meth labs, and that's your um, people um, essentially cooking the meth. Um, they, they, I've uh, heard of people doing it in bathrooms. Uh, they do it, um, you know, in, in vehicle. You can essentially make meth anywhere, but it's definitely moved away from that because the, um, the potency and the, um, of the meth that these uh, organizations from Mexico can produce um, is stronger, cheaper, um. more pure. Um, so yes, we have definitely moved away from the, um, quote unquote meth labs that, uh, were popular in the nineties and in two thousands. So. so I guess that's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, you know, we've, we've, has some of the regulations on the stuff that you need to make meth. Do you think that that has had some effect on bringing down the number, you know, now, um, Sudafed mm-hmm. and all of the things that the drugstores and stuff have done. Absolutely. Um, has that made a difference? Yes. They, they did a great job when they uh, um, did move to regulate a lot of these items. Because um, like you said, it used to be uh, a person could walk into CVS, um, buy up all the Sudafed, and walk out the door and then go down the road to Walgreens and do the same thing. But now they, they have a tracking system. Um, with those ingredients um, as far as uh, that goes to um, how many people can purchase at a time and things like that. So, yes, that did um, help out tremendously. So that's an example of some regulation that had immediate effect and that we can see in our community Correct. too. So, All right, so getting back to more of our topic about opioids specifically, mm-hmm. so tell me, you know, what do you see in regards to opioids in Walton County? Um. You know, it, it it has been a trend the last few years, um, definitely coming back, and I've had to uh, take myself to training to learn um, 
more about these um, the pharmaceutical side of these excuse me of these opioids um, um, narcotics and and things like that. So um, you know, there's a lot of different uh, finger point you can do of the the cause and the the comeback of it, um, but. It is. It's definitely getting more popular and and scary enough. Very popular with the younger generation is uh, what we're seeing a lot of it too. So let's kind of for people who may need more explanation, what we're talking about when we say opioids. So what we're seeing here in Walton County, are we seeing more of the prescription drug abuse? Are we seeing more um, heroin? What type, I guess, of opioids are we seeing the most of? Uh, to put it simply, both. Okay. Um, it's so we are seeing heroin in Absolutely. our community, and I think that might be news to people. Mm-hmm. It's definitely making a comeback because the the heroin, the opioid, and the heroin is um, the same uh, compound of makeup that you see in the opioid-based pharmaceutical drugs like hydrocodone, oxycodone, um, those are Percocets. These are the the popular ones. And um, basically what it is is heroin is a uh, cheaper alternative. Cheaper? Um, Really? Correct. Okay. Um, And and that goes back to the same thing of the uh, supply of it is is so great now, causing it to um, the price to, to come down on it. Um, because there have been regulations a lot that have been tried and have been put in place that are uh, keeping some of these addicts from just being able to refill their prescription bottles on a daily basis so they turn to the heroin to get the same high um, um, for cheaper purposes. So, um, you know, the simple answer is both. Yes, they're both making an extreme comeback. So when you're talking about young people, Mm -hmm. um, what do you see the most, or is there a distinction between prescription opioids or heroin for young people? Uh, The young people, I would definitely say the prescription side of it. Because is that Um, easier for them to get because of maybe it's their parents or grandparents or It is. It's a combination of that, and it's the fad now. Um, You see it in... um, the music some of these uh uh the younger generation are listening to um specifically in the um hip-hop culture they have made it um basically glamorized um the fact of uh taking these pills um you know going to these parties and uh yeah it does go back to like you said um they can get their hands on it i mean um i don't know the number but i imagine they're um the amount of people that are prescribed adults and, and, and they don't, I guess you can say they don't, um, keep an eye on their prescription pills like they should. So these kids are easily can just go open their kitchen cabinet and get them. Um, but, and then are we seeing a lot of that being sold maybe at the schools? Um, sold, passed out, shared. Yes. Um, with, with these young kids. Um, but I, I, and that's my personal opinion, um, about the, the fad that it, that's come back now with these younger kids and how they, uh, um, how it's perceived in their, um, in their, uh, I guess you could say their culture. Um, so do you think with younger kids sometimes maybe because it is a prescription drug, if you were to say, Hey, would you take heroin? They might say no, 
but then <clears throat> they would take an opioid out of a prescription. Do you think that they make a distinction because this was prescribed by a doctor, so it's safer, or or do they just really not care? No, de- definitely, I, I believe that is that that is a um, definitely a factor. Um, it's, uh, I guess you could say it's kind of taboo. The uh, taking the pills isn't as um, grungy or dirty um, as as buying opium or excuse me heroin on the street corner so um, yeah all those factors like I said before there's just so many factors that play into to uh, the rise of what we're seeing with these so we've talked to we talked about the the younger people Um, now some of the research that I've been doing with looking into the opioid epidemic and what's out there nationally we actually are seeing a lot of older people with an addiction. Is that something that y'all are seeing um, older people either selling prescription drugs or either being addicted to prescription drugs? And I'm talking like even senior citizen. Absolutely. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, drugs in general, the legal narcotics, they, they don't discriminate against um, age, color, sex. Um, we see it all across the board. Um, and talking with these, these folks that we deal with every day, a common um, story, I guess you can say, is um, some sort of accident injury happening to these folks. And uh, they um, over-medicate with these prescription pills, and uh, which results in an addiction. Um, and you see that, like I said, in all age aspects of that but yes um, definitely the older uh, community you're, you're seeing that a lot more um, of and and people close to these people are taking advantage of uh, these older people and maybe stealing these pills taking these pills and uh, doing doctor shopping with these pills okay <clears throat> so can you talk a little bit I know before we were talking before we started recording we were talking about um, pill mills and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, can you share a little bit about some specifics of arrest that um, you've made in Walton County in regards to the opioid um, whether and then maybe explain what is a pill mill you hear that term a lot but maybe don't really know exactly what that means yeah um, yeah I can definitely go I- explain what these these pill mills are are um, what we're seeing a lot of is these uh, um, you can buy these products basically um, off the dark web, which is which is um, a whole other thing that we're having to combat uh, these days is the dark web. But basically, they're these people are purchasing these pharmaceutical grade basically machinery. Um, and they're able to purchase the ingredients to make these pills off uh, off the uh, the dark web. So and now, are we talking about they're buying the actual drug? Let's say, let's use Lortab as an example. They're buying Lortab off the dark web, or they're buying the ingredients to make Lortab. They're buying the ingredients because there there's several <laughs> different ingredients that go into um, producing these pills. So they're able to buy the ingredients off the dark web from overseas, places like China, that has um, no regulations on these things and they got um, massive industrial sized buildings over in China that they're just producing these uh, 
the compounds for these drugs by the drum load, and uh, it's very easily accessible over the dark web. Um, so they're buying the, 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 the product, the machinery, and, and they're basically going setting up shop and, and producing their own pills um, by the thousands. Um, it's very easy to So make. it's like a meth, it's like the old meth um, <clears throat> lab, or is that what we called it? Correct. Um, and now, but now they're making pills. Mm -hmm. And the pills that they're making, are they making like specific, like we're going to make Lortab, we're going to make Percocet, or do they just put, I mean, do they know what they're doing, putting these ingredients together? Um, surprisingly enough, um, a lot of these people are, are, are very very smart um uh in the uh i guess you could say the, the the chemistry aspect of it um and it's a shame because um i tell these guys all the time there's uh other things to focus their uh their i guess you could say quote unquote talents on except right. for making drugs so it's kind of um, like breaking bad <laughs> yes in a sense um in a sense um that's exactly uh what it is and um but they're choosing uh uh, other avenues of their, their their talents to make these drugs, but um, yeah, they you know they can they re research this stuff. They can specifically make um, hydrocodone, oxycodone. So you can Xanax. find out. I mean, of course, I've never googled it. Like, can you just Google and find out a recipe? Um, through the dark web. Through the dark web. Mm -hmm. So this isn't something like if I went and googled on my computer and I'm just on regular whatever. I'm going to get a recipe for Percocet, Lortab, whatever. I don't believe so. I've never okay. sat down and, and checked YouTube do myself. <laughs> um, I don't imagine um, you could. Um, but like you said, I mean, there's so much stuff out there on the Internet. You could. But I, I do know the avenue of choice for these guys is through the dark web. And the dark web um, is, can you just briefly, I know that might be hard, but just kind of briefly cliff note version what the dark web is a lot of people might not be familiar with that term yeah and uh i'll be honest that's all i have is a cliff note version because Good. i'm still um still trying to train myself up on it trying to keep up with this this younger generation of uh um how they use these computers but um basically the dark web is a is a uh community out there through the internet um i guess you can say through to get to it, you have to uh, use different browsers, which create it to be untraceable. Mm -hmm. um, basically, you you get to this community, this dark web, and it's almost impossible for law enforcement to tr trace anything. Um, and the dark web is used for for so many different illicit things, not just narcotics, um, firearms sales. Um, and I know a lot of human trafficking yes, happens on the dark web as well. That's what I Unfortunately, uh, the human trafficking aspect um, of it, and it, it's just it's just unbelievable. Like I said, I have talked to some uh, some law enforcement guys, and I've been trying to get trained up on it. But the little parts I've seen is is very um, scary and uh, and eye opening. What what is out there, and this is and these people communicate all across the world. Um, and uh, they they share ideas of how to to do these illegal um, activities. Um, so it's like Pinterest for drug dealers. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was, and uh, you know it was created uh, by that. Um, it was made popular several years ago called the Silk Road. Yes, I which remember was um, you know the first 
that came to the public's eyes about um, this guy being able to, he basically opened up this avenue for people to sell drugs to each other, but he has, uh, I believe he has since been um, caught and prosecuted for that, but as a result of that, uh, there's copycats to that, and it's just, it's blown up since then. Which is very scary, and that, mm-hmm. that sounds like that might be, need to be another podcast yes. as well. <laughs> yes. There's all kinds of material here, I it think. It is. Um, so, can you share a specific story that that maybe you have in mind that would be kind of a typical opioid arrest or whatever um, in our community? Um, yes, uh, uh, one of the more common ones we see we'll, we'll get complaints of um, you know, hey, um, we there's this guy that lives down the road from me, and there's traffic in and out of his house, and uh, he's selling prescription pills. Um, and, uh, a lot of times what we'll see is, uh, we'll work the case, build a probable cause to, to arrest this individual and we'll, we'll go to the house, um, and typically execute a search warrant. And what we'll find he's, he's actually selling his legally prescribed pills to him, um, through a doctor. Um, you know, he'll take whatever he needs and he'll sell the rest and it's so profitable um, you know, a lot of people um, can't re- don't resist the can't resist the urge to uh, to make a little bit of money um, with with that. So, um, when you say profitable, can you give us an idea, like how much one one pill goes for? Um, yeah, an oxycotton oxycodone thirty milligram is uh, thirty dollars on the street. Wow. So you know, you, you think about that, you get a one pill. Well, one pill. So. You know, and that's basically going to be an eight to what twelve hour high maybe or effect for somebody. So that's one day. De- depending on the tolerance, um, you know, I've come across folks that can can use you know all the way up to six a day. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, it's surprising, but but yeah, thirty thirty dollars for a pill, and you think about you know a ninety pill uh, refill um, that they can get once a month. Um, you know, depending on how many they use themselves, but that's that's very profitable right. um, um, aspect to it. So, and is that where you do see a lot of older people with their pills selling them because maybe their situ their financial situation is not good, and this is a way to make ends meet, or just quite simply, it's not discriminatory. You see everybody. Yeah. Um, it's uh, a lot of times we see it basically to pay for their own addiction. Gotcha. Um, so they sell a, you know, they sell five, six of their own pills and that's enough to go, go on the street and buy another prescription for themselves. Um, so, you know, they get, they get caught up in that, in that lifestyle and it's just, uh, it's hard for them to break that cycle. So now you said buy a prescription. Did you mean like can you actually purchase a prescri- like a written prescription on the street and then go have it filled somewhere? Or is it more you're purchasing like pills directly from somebody? Both. Both. So, you, so there are people out there that have a prescription pad. These are not doctors, right? Um, no, they, um, there's different aspects to that. They can be um, stolen from doctors and forged and passed the prescriptions. And um, unfortunately, there are doctors out there that are on the wrong side and are, you know, selling prescriptions out the back door uh, to these addicts. Um, Have we seen that here? um, 
locally with the doctors, no. But um, as a result of some of these some of these uh, suspects here locally that we have arrested, it has led to um, uh, the prosecution of doctors. You see a lot of Metro Atlanta, closer to Atlanta area. Um, and, uh, you know, we work very closely with the uh, um, DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. Uh, they have a group called the Diversion Group, and uh, they were created specifically to combat the, uh, the pharmaceutical side of, of the drugs. They, uh, they work all the investigations with um, uh, pharmacies that are uh, giving out legal prescriptions. And uh, so if you come, if that leads to a pharmacy or if it leads to a doctor, that's when this DEA task force or whatever steps in. Correct. We uh, we like I said, I work very closely with them, work several, several cases with them and we'll pass on the information that will lead to these pharmacies and what we call the dirty doctors that are that are prescribing these people. Wow. So in thinking about the people that you come across, um, are you seeing the same people? Are you arresting? Kind of what I'm wondering is, you know, are you arresting addicts or are you arresting more of the people selling the drugs, both? Um, are you arresting the same people over and over again? Um, yes, unfortunately, the, um, I guess you could say the turnover rate for these dealers and users is very high. So, yes, we, I am uh, seeing the same faces um, over and over again. You know, you, you, you kind of get to know these people in this, uh, in this job. And, um, and so unfortunately, you, you know, you arrest them, send them off and, you know, tell them, Hey, you know, next time we're out here, we, you know, we don't want to run into each other like this, but unfortunately, um, it happens. Um, there are, uh, people, several people that I've arrested through my time that I have seen uh, break the addiction and change, but for the vast majority of it, yes, we are seeing the same the same people. Um, but uh, unfortunately, like I said, specifically with these uh, prescription pills and the opioid, um, I mean, we're seeing you know what you call the soccer moms, right? All the way down to your typical uh, addict that you would think of that you you know you see on TV and shows like that. Um, so the I guess you could say this um, comeback of this opioid epidemic, um, you could say has um, we've seen uh, not you what we would think your typical quote unquote criminals that we that we normally used to see with these other drugs. So you're <coughs> saying that really th with the opioids and especially prescription use, there really isn't a typical addict. No, no, unfortunately not. Um, you know. Um, like I said, it, all drugs across the board don't don't discriminate. Like I said before, with age or anything, but I, I guess you could say I see a broader spectrum of different types of people with these uh, with the um, opioid use and the pharmaceutical drug use. So, does law enforcement? I mean, I I know you might be able to speak on a national level as well, but um, first, thinking about locally, do we have a specific plan, um, to combat the opioid epidemic? You know, when all of this started a couple of years ago, or maybe just a year ago, it was shortly after President Trump came into office and he declared a public health emergency in the country, um, because of the opioid epidemic, which has now become known as, mm -hmm. um, with that, declaring that public health emergency, 
did that then spark anything that law enforcement specifically has a plan for opioid epidemic plan or combating opioid use or is it just basically if you're breaking the law we're going to catch you um you know it's this day and age in policing especially with narcotics you, you got to um you got to think outside the box. You got to adapt um, to the changes that we're seeing with these things. So, um, you know, we're constantly looking towards uh, leadership in this country, locally, state, and um, all the way up to give resources to law enforcement to to help out with these things. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, people question, well, you know, you're just locking these people up and 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 just throwing away the key and that that's not always the case um there are programs set in place uh specifically here in the uh um district which covers here walton county and newton county the judicial system that um you know they do have alternative um i guess you could say sentencing rather than going to prison there are um um, daily reporting centers, which are uh, drug treatment classes that, that they're required to attend daily, uh, take uh, urine screens to make sure that they are staying clean. Um, so would this be maybe like the first time offender that would get sent to this type of program? Or could this be your recurring person that obviously has an addiction? Um, there is a, I guess you could say a whole investigative process that goes into when, when these offenders are in the system and they can apply for these um, things. They, they will be investigated as far as, hey, are these guys just users? Are they, are, are they truly wanting to help themselves? Or are they uh, the ones out there that are, um, um, you know, um, causing some of these issues because you don't want to stick a drug dealer in a class or a program with addicts that are really actually trying to get better because they can right. essentially um, derail derail correct the, these folks so there there is a screening process that they they try to go into and try to actually help the ones that do want help because uh, surprisingly there, there are a lot of a lot of people out there that for whatever reason don't care to get help don't they, they enjoy the lifestyle and 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 have no regards for the well-being of people around them and will continue to do the things that they're doing um, spreading this poison in the community and um, you know that's where I believe the um, tough sentencing guidelines come in that uh, uh, I personally uh, completely agree with um, you now know, when you say tough sentencing what does that mean well you know there, there's a lot of talk these days nationally about the prison reform criminal reform right. um, and you know, a lot of uh, the um, the view, the public view of drug dealing and drug using is you hear a lot a uh, victimless crime, right? Um, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, and um, and uh, you know that's a whole a whole another thing. But um, how many times am I going to have to have you come back for I a know. podcast? <laughs> I know. Um, you know, that's a whole other debate as far as that, that, that uh, issue goes. But, um, you know, you get these repeat offenders, and they do need to be punished. They do need to um, um, do their time, be removed from the community, uh, because it, you, you'll see it if we're, if we're 
the, the drug trade and the drug issue is um, an up and down thing in the right. community. You know, if we're if we're out here being proactive and locking a lot of these drug dealers up, you will see, um, you know, the the uh, incidences as a result of people being high go down because um, you know we're we're because uh, you're their cutting supply. off supply. Um, you know, but a common theme is, you know, well, you know, you lock one drug dealer up, there's another one ready to take his place. And that may be true, uh, but we're always going to be out there trying to do our part. Um, you know, a lot of people like to say, well, the drug wars are never, you know, a non-win situation for, for law enforcement. And, you know, people can have that opinion and it, it might look like that, but we'll always be out there doing our best uh, to combat that issue. So when you were talking about other resources um, for people who might get arrested, um, is that mental health court? Um, they because we don't have a drug court no, in Watson County, and not. I'm not sure exactly what drug court does. I'm as- assuming that they might have additional resources for people. You know, and I honestly, I'm not very educated on that. I know Gwinnett County. Um, place like Hall County. I, I don't know if Barrow County has it. I have heard um, that Newton, I mean, since we're in the same circuit, I have heard that Newton County has one. Um, I th- the, the resource center is based in Newton County. And that may be what that is, which I think this date is called a daily reporting center is very similar to drug court. Um, there have been some critics of the drug court, uh, process. Um, and you know you'll you'll talk to different people that uh, law enforcement that that uh, work in those communities that deal with that, and they have different opinions about it. Like I said, I, I'm not too well versed in it, right? Um, because we we don't have it. So but our mental health court that's not specifically for drug users. No, no, that's but it is different. But mental health and drug use does typically go hand in hand. Um, I personally am a big proponent of a mental health. Uh, um, I guess you say overhaul. Um, my uh, my mother was a uh, um, a counselor for thirty five years, and you know we sit down and we talk politics a lot and, and things that are going on in the world. And she is, um, you know, a big proponent of of uh, figuring out this mental health issue mm-hmm. that's going on. You know, she often talks about the. Um, I guess it was in the 70s when they were shutting down all right. the uh, mental health uh, uh, institutions, I guess you say, right. places. Um, she often talks about that and, and, and how what, what, what we need to do to combat that. So I get a lot of that from my mother. And, um, you know, I tell her all the time, well, you need to put your hat in and run and try to make <laughs> a difference yourself. We're, yes, I, we would love to see that because speaking from, you know, obviously my husband, Wade Major Harris, um, being the jail commander, mm-hmm. um, we have conversations at our house a lot about this, the fact that, unfortunately, now the jail it seems to be the mental institution mm-hmm. because there is no other place to go. And as you're so right, especially when we're talking about opioids, mental health and drug addiction go hand in hand, and it's specifically with opioids because obviously a lot of depression and that kind of stuff People get prescribed things um, that then may lead them into an addiction easier because they're already depressed or something, Correct. some type of mental health issue to begin with. So, um, so specifically for you as the 
the guy that's seeing this, you're, you're the first responder to this situation. Do you have other resources basically within your job or is your job to arrest and then that is up to the court or is there other resources specifically for law enforcement what you're saying about the drug reporting center and stuff i was assuming that might be after they've gone to court yes correct. so that would be something that the the justice system um, refers them on to does law enforcement have either the ability to do something different or um is that just not your job um you know, it, it, that's a tough, tough one because the discretion um, that um, we have is not, you know, um, not there a lot of the time. So, um, you know. We, so, for example, do you ever, I mean, I'm guessing when you come in contact with someone that might have a problem or something, there's probably going to be illegal activity happening. So mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going to be the one to provide them with resources that might help them. Am I Am I correct? Yes. I think a lot of people, and the reason I'm kind of asking this is because I do think that a lot of people tend to put law enforcement into a clump with, you know, um, mental health professionals, social work almost, that, you know, you're supposed to be the social worker, the psychologist, the all of these things. Um, so just getting a clear definition of what your job is specifically. Yeah, that's, um, and that's why I was going to comment on, you know, us as law enforcement, we do wear a lot of hats. Um, not only we're the enforcer, but sometimes we're the person to talk to. Because, um, you know, a lot of times as law enforcement in general, not just specific uh, me as a narcotics investigator, you know, we answer these 911 calls and, and go out and see these folks. And for these these people that respond to, they're having the worst day of their life, you know. And for us, sometimes it's just another call, another domestic dispute, another um, issue with alcohol or drugs. But we have to go into these situations understanding that the that the this might be the worst day of this person's life, and you know, um, we're not there just to um, we are there to keep law and order and, and to enforce the law. But but there's other ways of going about it. So you know, I you know in these these a lot of these situations when I am arresting these folks. Um, I tend to, I have a reputation of, you know, I sit down and I talk to these, these guys a lot before uh, we go off to jail. We'll sit in their living room, whatever it is, and just lay it out there on the table for them, you know, the consequences of what they're doing. And, you know, I sit there and listen. I, 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 and that's how I learn a lot is listening. You know, these people will, will give me their life stories. And, you know, um, a lot of them are very sad to hear, you know, wh where they come from. And, and you can kind of see the, um, um, some of the background and the buildup of why they're in that situation. Um, so a lot of times just talking to these folks and realize, um, you know, the, the situation they're in is not going to lead to anything, but, um, where they're going then or death or, um, and it affects so many people around them with their with their family and, and things like that. So a lot of times you just lay it out there for them and it's eye opening. And I've had, like I said, I've had people that I have sent to prison that have since got out and I have seen them on the streets and they'll come up and shake my hand wow. and, 
and say, you know, um, I appreciate you, Sergeant Ward, what you did. You saved my life. Um, so when things like that happen, it, it does it does uh, put it all in perspective uh, of what we're doing. Um, but not to get too far away from your your question about the resources, um, you know, it we're limited. Right. And like I said before, we we are looking for leadership to provide those resources to where we can maybe have alternatives. Um, Is there any kind of um, effort in Walton County where um, different disciplines, meaning like medical professionals, law enforcement, elected officials are getting together to discuss this? Would that be helpful even to have something like that? Personally, yes. I, I, I think that, like you said, the leadership of locally of the different ones that you mentioned if they were to come together and 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 as far as I know there have been talks of, of that um, whether it's through the county commissioners the, the sheriff um, you know the, the doctor and the professionals in, in the medical field would come together and and um, figure out alternatives and um, because like you said before you touched on it the jail isn't um, not a mental rehab facility there the people working there are limited in their abilities what they can provide for these these folks and so we need facilities that can um, um, that are better equipped and better resourced to take care of these um, these um, people um, struggling with these mental right. mental issues so thinking and this might be a little bit too broad but thinking nationally um, you mentioned you've been to trainings and what you're hearing what you're seeing do you think our approach currently to this epidemic is working? Um, and that's a loaded question, I know, for you being yeah. here. But just from your opinion, um, looking at what we're seeing here, are we seeing a slowdown? Are we seeing it not change? What? Um, you know, no, I, I can't say that we have seen a slowdown or change. Um but I, I have seen, um, you know, a lot of people locally and, and on the bigger level that are committed to uh, trying to make this change. And, you know, that, that always makes it um, a little easier to go out here and do your job every day, knowing that you have people that are, that are in places of leadership and, and, and all over that are uh, committed to making a change. Now, how to make that change? Um, we're still working on that. I guess you can say we're kind of working from behind. Right. Um, Which so is often catch what up. happens. Yes, and unfortunately in law enforcement, that's what it is, is always playing catch up. So, um, you know, um, I have faith that, that there will be um, a solution that, that can um, help save lives and, and um, help, like you said, slow down because we'll never get rid of it. But, right. but to, to definitely... Um, slow down and, and educate these people. I, I'm big on education of, uh, of uh, the community and, and the effects these things have. So, Well, and speaking <laughs> of education, can you tell us what are the laws um, when it comes in regards to prescription drugs? I know there's um, something about having your pills in your own container. and mm -hmm. So what are the laws just so that everybody knows what you're supposed to do with prescription drugs? How do you get rid of them? all of those things. Can you just speak a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, the best thing I can tell you, um, 
when you are prescribed a prescription from a doctor is to use it exactly how the doctor says to use it. If the doctor says, you know, half a pill twice a day, that doesn't mean four half a pills twice a day or as needed. So um, look to your professionals to, to, to guide you in, in the uh, correct use of them. Um, yeah, that, that's an aspect of it. You, you spoke on, um, you know, always have your pills in your own prescription bottle. Because uh, you could actually, isn't that against the law? It is. To have, be in possession of someone else's prescription? Is that, it, like it, you could be arrested for that or? Absolutely, depending on the situation. Now, uh, you know, you, you're driving down the road and your husband leaves his prescription bottle in your car. It's all situational basis. Right. Um, but yes, don't don't share your pills. Don't, um, you know, you got a friend, hey, I got fell and hit my knee the other day. I don't want to go to the doctor. Do you have, you know, have right. a code on I can take? Don't, don't fall into that. Uh, just, just, it's about being responsible, um, you know, w- with your prescriptions and, and, um, and all of that. So. And lastly, I just wanted to see if you had any kind of advice for um, someone who might be dealing with an addiction right now or a loved one that has someone that they love that's dealing with it, family member, um, just any kind of advice that you could leave with them? You know, um, like I said, uh, you know, I I get out here and and I hear all different stories and talk to so many different people. And a lot of times when it comes to addiction, it's an embarrassment um, issue with with people, um, and depending on your background, the type of family that you come from, um, you'll see these people shunned by their loved ones and and things of that nature. So, um, with that being said, you know you do have a problem. You, you you got to got to make it known to somebody that you feel like will listen, will help, um, whoever that may be. You know. If, if you can't turn to your loved ones, your close family, um, find somebody, talk to it. The, the first step is admitting you have a problem. I know that's, um, <laughs> that's been said before, but it, it's, it's about as true as you can get. Right. Because, um, you know, if you're in denial the whole time, you'll never, you'll never be able to fix your problem. So, you know, admitting that you and recognizing your problem um, is the first step. Um, talking to somebody, um, especially um, somebody that you can talk to that is sober and doesn't have the same problem. Sometimes addicts talk to other addicts and they just feed each other's fuel. So, so talking to somebody that has the ability uh, to think clear-minded and, and that is that it is sober um, helps. And um, you know, reaching out to um, to your local professionals, like you said. Um, you know, I've now, had, can people call the sheriff's office and ask for resources? I was just that- about to say, uh, you know, I have um, given my um, my information out to people, and you know, I mean it when I tell these people. I said, "Hey, my phone is always on you." I'll have people call me in the middle of the night. You know, hey, Sergeant Ward. You know, um, I'm not in good place right now. You know, I feel like you know I'm about to do something stupid, and you told me to call you when. So I have gotten up in the middle of the night. So do you I call have, your mom for advice? <laughs> <laughs> I used to. Not, not that early in the morning. So, um, you know, and my wife is, is used to that. But, um, you know, I have gone out and I have, um, 
um, you know, we'll go out and we'll, we'll talk to these folks. You know, I, I'll go visit them. I'll, I'll go talk to them, you know, because I tell people all the time, you know, it's not all about locking people up. It's about helping, too. So, um, you know, that's what we try to do. So, you know, get back to the to talking about these addicts, you know, that I just can't harp on that enough is to is to talk to somebody, you know, get your um, um, a big thing I tell these people is uh, you are who you hang out with. You know, I think a common one people say is you lay with dogs, you get fleas. Right. You got to you got to change your circle. You got to change your um, um, circle of friends and the, and the people who influence you the most. And, um, you know, and that that can lead to a sober life. So. So if someone would like to get in touch with you, is the best thing to do to call the sheriff's office? Absolutely. Okay, and that would be the main number? Which, yeah. Would um, you give that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the best way to reach me at the office um, would be, um, um, down there at the sheriff's office, would be the phone number is 770-267-2391. Um, you know, I'm in my, my office all day, but the message always gets to me, so, um, you know. They can contact me anytime there. Great. Thank you, Corey, yes, so much. I, I appreciate you it. coming and talking to us Anytime, this morning. I'll, I'll be back when you need me. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we have a lot of more topics that have come up through Absolutely. this discussion. So I think you're on the hook for some more podcasts in the future. Great. I look forward to it. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Walton Wellness, Inc. and the Walton County Healthcare Foundation. Email us at waltonwellness at gmail.com. Find us on the web at waltonwellness.org, Facebook, and Instagram.